0: He finally had me pinned down to where I couldn't do anything but just about tap out. And you all know the story, or you should, that um, I was at Lawrenceville, Illinois, in a delivery truck at 6 o'clock in the morning. Can you believe that? At 6 o'clock in the morning, I was in Lawrenceville. That means somebody had to get up at 3 to go get the truck to drive to Lawrenceville. You know, it's still dark at three and four in the morning. I didn't know if you knew that or not. Some of you do. I didn't realize that. I'm sitting in McDonald's at Lawrenceville Walmart. And I said to the Lord, "Okay, if you want me to start a church in Vandalia, because people had already been snipping at me, start a church in Vandalia, start a church in Vandalia. I didn't want to start a church in Vandalia. I didn't. Uh, you know, hey, I was wanted to start a church in St. Louis and go down there and live in Edwardsville or somewhere and have four lanes and interstates and traffic. And I was used to suburban. We lived in Washington, D.C. We lived in Houston, Texas. We're used to little city stuff. You know, traffic jams aren't just goats, cows, and John Deers. But they are now, and they're beautiful around here. So I said, if you want me to start a church in Vandalia, you just let somebody walk up to me that doesn't know I'm praying this prayer and let them say, if you start a church in Vandalia, we'd come to it. And I knew I had the Lord in the corner. I knew there was no way that anybody was going to walk up to me and say, if you started in church in band we'd come. I knew it. I had the Lord. I had a tiger by the tail or whatever. I had the Lord by the tail. I knew it. I was, I was very confident that he wasn't going to come through. It took about three and a half, four hours and I ran into somebody at Walmart in Effingham. And first of all, I tried to stay in the truck. I listened to Rush Limbaugh for 45 minutes. I ate lunch. I did my logbook. After 45 minutes, I finally said, listen, I gotta, I'm getting paid. i got to get out of here and unload this truck. And so I thought the people that I saw from my past were gone and the coast was clear. And I got out of my truck and I started unloading those plants. And a green Oldsmobile backs up to the peat moss pile. And the people that I was hiding from got out of the car. And so they said, Brother Tracy. It was at that time in my storms and transition in life, I didn't know if they were going to hug me or hate me. This was definitely a hugging situation. They threw his arms around me. And he looked at me. And he said, Ready? If you'd start a church in Vandalia, we'd come. Now, how do you argue with that? Because there was me, two sausage burritos, a hash brown, and a large sweet tea, and Jesus at the table. Because nobody wants to be in Lawrenceville. You want to go to Lawrenceville? I mean, how exotic does that sound? How would you like to go to Hawaii or Lawrenceville? You know? Nobody was at that Walmart. It was just me and Jesus and my meal at the table, and he's the only one that heard me. And four hours later, boom, there it is. And I called my wife, and I said, get ready, get ready, get ready. You remember that call? You remember that call? So here we are. So I walked out last Sunday, Easter Sunday, and I saw great holes Last Easter, we had almost 175 or 80, I don't know, it was pretty packed in here. And so I was looking around, I'm thinking, oh, Lord, this is Easter. Where's everybody at? There was at least 30 people that normally are here that weren't here for Easter. I said, what's that all about? And the Lord said, you shouldn't feel bad about this. I said, "Oh, really? I shouldn't. I'm sorry. This picture didn't come out any plainer. It, it to get this picture plainer is beyond my pay grade technologically. But do you know what this is? This is the signing of the Declaration of Independence. During the week, at times, my wife and I have very special times during the week when all the kids go to bed." She's doing laundry and then goes over to the couch and lays down and falls asleep. And then I get to watch whatever I want on television. And so I was watching the History Channel about the American Revolution. But the Lord said to me, yes, last Sunday, he said, it's okay that a lot of people aren't there at Easter because this church is full of pioneers. And I said, really? Really? He said they're full of pioneers, and sometimes pioneers have to return back to where they came from for a visit, but they'll be back. Wow. So I was watching this documentary on the Revolutionary War, and have you ever wondered what happened to the 56 men who signed the Declaration of Independence? Does anybody know the the biggest name on the whole declaration? john hancock he was the first one to sign he had the whole bottom of the document to sign and he signed it in the middle at the top and very large now myths say that he said when he signed it that way when the fat king goes to read it he won't need his spectacles to see who signed it these 56 men we celebrate their lives today 200 and 36 or 38 years later. But what fates befell them on daring to put their names to that document? Five of the signers were captured by the British as traitors and tortured before they died. Twelve had their homes ransacked and burned. Now, they didn't have homeowner's insurance. They didn't burn the house down and say, just call your Allstate agent. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Yeah? Yeah, Jake from State Farm, she sounds hideous. What are you wearing, Jake? Khakis. I'm trying to figure out why he's calling at 3 in the morning. I'm still, why is he doing, but anyhow. And then it's like, well. How about this one blah 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 insurance be there jimmy we're seventh in line remember that one all right so there wasn't homeowners insurance that says okay we're the, the british didn't leave a note we burned your place down by the way just call your all-state agent and they'll be out with a checkbook momentarily no when it was burned it was burned it was done these guys put their lives on the line they put their fortunes on the line Two lost their sons serving in the Revolutionary Army. Another had two sons that were captured. Nine of the 56 fought and died from wounds or hardships of the Revolutionary War. Nine of the 56, that's almost 20%, died. They signed and they pledged their lives, their fortunes, and their sacred honor. What kind of men were they? Twenty-four were lawyers and jurists. Eleven were merchants. Nine were farmers and large plantation owners, men of means, well-educated, but they signed the Declaration of Independence knowing full well that the penalty would be death if they were captured. In fact, they knew when they signed the dotted line that they were signing all of the security and all of the safety and all of the perks from Mother England away, and now they were on their own. They knew that if they were caught, they would be quartered and sent to the four corners of the British Empire. They were, these acts of signing this document were treason and called high crimes to the state. We live in this country today because these men gave it all. Carter Braxton of Virginia, a wealthy planter and trader, saw his ship swept from the seas by the British Navy. He sold his home and properties to pay his debts and died in rags. We don't have it so bad after all, do we? Thomas McKean was so hounded by the British that he was forced to move his family almost constantly. He served in the Congress without pay. That's an idea today, isn't it? <laughs> I think that we could weed out a lot of rift in Washington if they went without pay. And his family was kept in hiding. His possessions were taken from him, and poverty was his reward. Vandals. I don't think that's the Van Day of Vandals, okay? Vandals or soldiers looted the properties of Dillery Hall Clymer, Walton, Gwinnett, Haywood, Rutledge, and Middleton. At the Battle of Yorktown, Thomas Nelson Jr. noted that the British General Cornwallis had taken over the Nelson home for his headquarters quietly urged General George Washington to open fire. The home was destroyed and Nelson died bankrupt. History says that Washington told him to shoot one cannon into the house. That one cannon went through the window, landed on the dining room table where the generals were meeting, and exploded. But you see... These were pioneers. These were men willing to take a chance. These were men willing to do something different. Francis Lewis had his home and properties destroyed. The enemy jailed his wife, and she died within a few months. John Hart was driven from his wife's bedside as she was dying. Their 13 children fled for their lives. His field and his gristmill were laid to waste. For more than a year, he lived in forest and caves, returning home to find his wife dead and his children vanished. A few weeks later, he died from exhaustion and a broken heart. But you don't see that when you see the portrait that I showed you earlier. You don't see that when they're standing there in their nice uniforms and they're all gathered around the table and they're signing this. But this was the price of freedom. Norris and Livingston suffered similar fates. Such were the stories and sacrifices of the American Revolution. These were not wild-eyed, rabble-rousing ruffians. They were soft-spoken men of means and education. They had security, but they valued liberty more. How many of us had security where we came from, but we valued a move of God and a personal relationship with Jesus Christ in our lives more than the security? Some people in the kingdom, I've met them, I've told them, I said, you know, after their natural family disowns them, I know of a woman right now who was cut out of a very, very large family fortune just about an hour from here because she did not go to the family church, but she ended up at a Holy Ghost filled church because she was hungry for more of God. And it was because of that... Hunger for her that got her cut out of her fortune and out of the inheritance that was coming to her But she valued her relationship with God more than she valued the 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 resources and the uh, Amenities that money could buy because she was a pioneer. I Believe that you and I are sitting in a house today with pioneers sitting right beside us I believe that you're a pioneer I believe that each and every one of you in here is a pioneer because, like I said earlier, we didn't come to this church. Grandma did not buy the carpet in this church. Grandpa did not put the stained glass windows in this church. Ain't none, but the closest claim to fame that any of us can get this week is we bought $40 worth of pug to put in the potholes out there. Slap your neighbor a high five and say, Sally Mae, Hallelujah sally may so we don't come from buildings that are stained glass we don't come from fancy cathedrals that are and we're not sitting in one that's got great steeples and and a prayer tower we don't come and live in and have service in a church that has a bell that tolls every noon day noon during the week and during the weekend to let people know it's high noon we don't come from a a church and in a relationship with the lord that a lot of people like to talk about but if you go and you say i go to that holy roland apostolic holy ghost filled church i once was on drugs but i'm not on drugs anymore i once was a drunk but i'm not a drunk no more come on now somebody i'm talking about a pioneer So as I'm standing around here observing last Sunday I'm observing holes in the pews and and gaps in the in the cr- crowd The Lord's saying, don't be down, man. This is good, because you have people here that are willing to say, I'll leave all the security, I'll leave all of the plush, I'll leave all of the family dinners on Sunday, just so I can have a touch of the hem of His garment, just so I can be in His presence, just so I can be in a church that when I lift my hands and say amen, everybody else is too. They're not looking at me. Oh, I'm glad I'm in. a house where liberty reigns today these men love liberty more than they love security these signers of the declaration of independence when i started reading this i'm like you never get that out of the picture you just think they signed the paper they went back to their plantations and got their rifles And we're going to kick the British in the teeth, and here we go. We're going to be free men. Most of them died losing everything. The man back here, John Hart, didn't even realize he lost his wife and children until later on, for more than a year, he lived in forests and in caves. What would our spouses do today, guys? What would our wives say if we said, I just signed a document. And I don't know if the house is going to be here tomorrow. I know that you women of liberty, you daughters of the American Revolution, would say, oh, praise the Lord, honey, that's great. But you know, it's the same way in the spirit realm. Because a lot of you have had to say goodbye culture and customs and traditions of years gone by from your family that helped raise you, that changed your diaper, that gave you bottles, that nurtured you and brought you up in the fear and admonition of the Lord to the best of their ability. But then suddenly, whether you were 26, 36, or 66, suddenly there is a hunger inside of you that you want more. There's got to be more than just this out here. There's got to be more than just what I'm used to. And that hungering brought you in contact with somebody who brought you in contact with somebody or a Bible study that got you on this pew, that got you up front here, that got you back there. And before it was all over with, the Holy Ghost fell on you just like it did at the day of pentecost and the power of god infuse your life if you're happy about that give the lord some praise right now i'm talking to a house of pioneers today standing talk straight and unwavering they pledged for the support of this declaration With firm reliance on the protection of the divine providence. Now see the ACLU just had a fit right there. We mutually agree or mutually pledge to each other. Our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. There are some of you today that cannot go home to a family dinner because it ain't like it used to be. Oh, I don't know who I'm talking to today, but I still got two and a half, three hours. Yeah. Amen. Had to get that glasses on so I can see. I need my glasses. They didn't do it like George. George III, I guarantee he saw John Hancock. I wonder if he looked at that scene and just said, that devil. Because John Hancock was a, he was born in Massachusetts, but he had tremendous favor in the british government back and forth and he later became the governor of massachusetts but they said we're going to give it all because we want freedom and some of you in this house today and some who aren't even here today some of you have given it all to have religious apostolic holy ghost freedom you have left those churches that have been just part of a denomination. You have left churches, those beep churches. You know those beep churches that I'm talking about? You have left those beep churches because it was just a form of godliness, but it denied the power thereof. You have left those churches that were just in in more entrusting and enthroned with a routine and a ritual and just through a an effortless uh it just seemed like a they just did it out of habit. There was no relationship. There was no life. There was nothing there to feed you, and you were hungry. Some of you, I hate to say this, some of you came out of dead, dry, dull, nasty Pentecostal churches. Those can be the worst. Because I was in one. Woo! I was in it. And I knew when I got a hold of some religious freedom in my life, the Holy Ghost, as soon as I was able to, I was out of there. And I was. I got out of there as fast as I could. But you see what I'm saying today? You all come from different places. Why? We mutually pledge to each other our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Now let's look into the kingdom of heaven here a little bit. Uh, Matt Barterson wrote a book called The Wild Goose. Here's a quote from this book here. And I know this sermon might be a little different than you're used to from old BT here. Brother Trace, in case you didn't know that. All right. I sometimes wonder if congregations do, do to Christians what zoos do to animals. I don't believe that they do it intentionally, but I still think it is true. Churches tend to tame Christians in the name of Christ. We avoid risk and danger and struggle. The result is caged Christians. In our inner being, all of us long for more. More excitement, more adventure, more challenge. Whoever came up with the idea that Jesus died on the cross to keep us safe? Certainly, it is okay to ask for God's protection, but when was the last time you asked God to make you dangerous? When was the last time that I asked God, make me dangerous? The domestication of Christian believers has stolen the spiritual exhilaration of supernatural living, replacing it with religious boredom, programs, and routine. The church is most effective when we're forced to live outside the cage. Believers are truly audacious with their faith when they move beyond the comfort and safety of the zoo. Every believer has a decision to make. It's really a choice of spiritual lifestyle. We can choose to live like a settler or decide to live like a pioneer. Woo! Man, I don't know about you, but I'm enjoying this one. Pioneers versus the settlers. Pioneers versus the settlers. I dress up like this Because I'm the pastor, and that's okay. But if you take me and transplant me 70 miles west of here, across the river, in South City, St. Louis, I may not be wearing this suit. Because I don't want this to come between me and the inner city people I'm trying to touch. You see what I'm saying? This church started out of a vision to help inner city people. But the Lord didn't didn't put me in the inner city yet. I tried to get there and he wouldn't let me go. He took me to Lawrenceville, to Effingham. Now I'm in Vandalia. You see what I'm saying? But Prophet Tom has prophesied many times that we're going to to start several churches. There will be a church in South City, St. Louis, or South County, St. Louis. We're going to do it. This church is going to birth one. We may birth two. We may birth three. I don't know how many we're going to birth. One of them we're going to birth in the Dominican Republic, and I'm going to pastor that one. Amen. Punta Come on. Come on down, man. Yeah, I know that's Jamaican. It's all right. I understand my geography. But we did decide here that we wanted to start touching people's lives. We want to touch them with food pantry. I've been in churches that they want to do a food pantry, and the reason they want to do the food pantry is so the church people can get free food. It's not for church people only. It's for the outside people. That's why when people in the church that worked the food pantry years ago, they get mad because so-and-so took an extra tubal lotion. My God, if they want three tubes of lotion, give them three tubes of lotion. That's all they've got. They've got a bare cabinet. they got a refrigerator that might have a can or a pot of old dry beans in it. They might have a half gallon of rotten milk, and that's all they've got in that refrigerator until payday. Get out of the comfort zone of the zoo, church people, and let's get and reach their lives right where they're at. you what i'm saying so god is saying you got a church full of pioneers here and so i started looking at pioneers and settlers settlers a settler begins to accumulate things that provide comfort ease and security settlers mark out their territory and take ownership of what's rightfully theirs settlers set up systems of hierarchy and seniority which enforce behavior protocols on their commun- commune how's that sound sounds pretty good don't man pastor did some homework this week pioneers pioneers on the other hand pack light because they know this life is a journey and this world is just a temporary home pioneers are willing to sacrifice their personal comfort and embrace the thrill of a faith adventure pioneers are not afraid to take risks face danger challenge the odds cope with the suffering and live by faith not by sight Now, this church is a corporation here, State, State of Illinois. We're incorporated in the State of Illinois. We have a board. And we have a board meeting, and when we go through the numbers in the books. And there hasn't been one board meeting where I've got to say, and we have $27,000 in the savings account. Let's go a little further. We ain't ever had $27,000 in the savings account. But I know churches that pride themselves on how much money they got in the savings account. That's a settler mentality. Because we got all this money... Oh, what's going to happen is somebody's going to say, well, we need to do something with that. I think we ought to buy stained glass windows. Well, I think we ought to buy new carpet. I think we ought to pave the parking lot. I think we ought to buy a new steeple and a flag. And in fact, let's, let's change pastures while we're at it. But a pioneer says, you know what? there are people that are going to come to the food pantry. There's going to be 50 to 75 families a month and the only food they're going to get other than with a $10 on their link card is what this church provides. So we'll put $100 worth of gas in a van to go up to Bloomington. We'll put $75 in a van to go to Alton and get food. We'll spend $175 of those precious George Washington dollar bills and we will go get food and we will take time out of our schedule and we'll eat up our Friday nights, and we'll eat up our Saturdays because we want to minister because I got a backpack on that says this belongs to a pioneer. You heard the, if you're a sports fan, you heard the biggest ruckus now about the owner of the Clippers, you know, he did not want people of color coming to his house. And he was dating a woman of color. Paul said, that, Thy learning hath made you mad. That dude's money's made him mad. But you see, pioneers, I want everybody here. I want the white person here. I want the blacks here. I want the Latinos here. I want the Asians here. I got an Asian, Asian nephew. Lord have mercy. If you ever meet his mother, you pray for him. He's in trouble. Red and yellow, black and white, they are precious in his sight. Right here in the middle of Vandalia, Illinois, I have prayed, God give us a multi-ethnical, multicultural church. I want the family worship center in Vandalia, Illinois to look like the kingdom of heaven. Every nation, kindred, tribe, and tongue. Why? Because I'm not a settler, I am a pioneer, and I feel like that I'm talking to a convention of pioneers in this place today. Look at this statement. Pioneers refuse to shrink Jesus down to a manageable, comprehensible, or logical dimension. You know what I appreciated about you the other day, Brother Matt? One time. How about that? Isn't that good? One time. Now, there was more. But when you said, we have an idea, we tell it to him, he doesn't say how much is it going to cost and we can't do that. He says, let's do it. Let's figure out a way. That's the way I I think it should be. Let's figure this out and let's get it done. If we prayed and we've asked the Lord to lead us and the Lord is leading us and gives us an idea, then let's figure out how to get it done. And he'll show us how to get it done. In the beginning, God made humankind in his image. But since the fall of man, humankind has attempted to make God conform to their image. i'm gonna have to read this whole book what absolute foolishness god cannot be caged in the zoo of human comprehension or be forced to comply with the settler's paradigm god is not a settler god is a pioneer galatians chapter 12 verse 1 the lord had said to Abram, leave your native country, leave your relatives, leave your father's family and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous and you will be a blessing to others. That's the first pioneer right there. The first one right there, Abraham. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families of the earth on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram departed as the Lord had instructed. That's where some of you are. You're here without your families. You're here without your mom or your dad. Whether you're 16 or 66. 66. You're here without your kids. There's no reason you should have came here. There wasn't any ties relationally. Some of you have been in churches that there's two or three families in the whole church. Now that's a hee-haw deal. can't believe you just said that. Oh, no, it is. I've been in it. I've seen it. This one tries to get the attention of the pastor's wife or the leadership and get favor. And this one over here tries to get the same thing, and then they hate each other's guts. You see, and this is church, right? They hate each other's guts and all this other mess and all this other business. But you see, pioneers don't think like that. Pioneers don't even dwell on that. Pioneers don't even worry about that because Abraham was a pioneer, and the Lord said, go, and Abraham went. And the Lord tells you to go, and amen. Amen. Galatians chapter 3, 6. Even as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. You know what? Abraham did what God said and he became righteous. Abraham did what God instructed and he became righteous. Amen. Amen. Abraham believed God and it was counted to him for righteousness. The Living Bible says Abraham had the same experience. God declared him fit for heaven only because he believed God's promises. Listen, you are a pioneer and God is saying you are fit for heaven because you are willing to leave it all and follow me. Hallelujah. If you'll give the Lord some praise, we're almost done around here. You did not have to ask permission from your mom to come here. You did not have to ask permission from so-and-so to come here. You came because when you put the backpack on that had the label pioneer, you said, Lord, where you go, I'm going to go. And if you sit down, I'm sitting down. And when you stand up, I'm standing up. Why? Because I am in relationship with you and you are in relationship with me. That's what we strive for around. Here's relationship. Numbers fourteen twenty four. But my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him, and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereunto he went, and his seed shall possess it. This is at the end of the 12 spies coming back from spying out the land. Who was the other one that said we can take it? Caleb and who? Caleb and Joshua. Anybody know the name of the other 10? I'm going to give you five seconds. All right. Anybody got a name? Don't be looking in your Bible, cheater. It's hard to remember the people who were settlers because they settled for 40 more years in the wilderness. They settled for the defeatism attitude that said, we can't take the land. When God swore to them by his mouth that they would go into the land, they said with their mouths, we cannot do this. We are grasshoppers in their sight. But Joshua and Caleb had a different spirit and followed me fully. And God said, I'm going to honor what Caleb did. New living. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. He has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land he explored. His descendants will possess their full share of that land. The difference in a pioneer and a settler is attitude. The difference in a pioneer and a settler is vision. The difference in a pioneer and, an adi- and, a, and a settler is i have got to go to where i can find him i've got to move to where i can get a hold of god i gotta if i'm hungry i gotta find the bread on the shelf if i'm thirsty i gotta get some water to drink are you seeing what i'm saying here you my brothers and sisters are pioneers and i'm telling you that because the devil wants to make you settle down the devil wants to make you settle. For just a cheap bill of goods. First Corinthians fifteen, nineteen and twenty. Now I'm closing. You wanna stand with me and put some pressure on me? That'll be good. So if you like today, if you saw me sitting down up here during worship, wasn't because I was depressed, it's because my legs hurt. I already been walking a hundred miles first session. First Corinthians fifteen, nineteen, if in This life only we have hope in Christ. We are of all men most miserable. But now is Christ risen from the dead and became or become the first fruits of them that slept. You know what Jesus was? A pioneer. He blazed the trail. You know whose DNA I have in me? His DNA. He had resurrection in him. I got resurrection waiting on me. Whoo! He had power, I've got power. How do you know you got power, brother Tracy? I've told the devil back off in Jesus' name, and he has so have you anybody told the devil to back off? Did he do it? Yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying for since by one by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. You and I have been made alive because we have followed the pioneer. We have followed and refused to settle down and just accumulate. We have refused to just say, I'm going to just sit here and relax. No, you and I are part of Christ. We are in him. So the question today, dear brothers and sisters, are you a pioneer or are you a settler? amen so the devil's fighting you the devil's trying to tell you he's going to win and he's not going to win because you're a pioneer you're willing to lay it all on the line fortunes security i won't turn back fortunes security mr hart lost his wife and his family and didn't even know it for a year he didn't have a smartphone somebody text him and say your wife just passed away oh yeah i'm in this cave over here by chantilly virginia i got sorry no he didn't know but he signed because he loved liberty and freedom more than tyranny and the old way so i'm asking you this question today and i'm not I'm, i'm telling you this I want to encourage you. I want to encourage you to let you know that your faith, even though some of you are in a fight and your faith feels weak, you still have the characteristics of a pioneer. You still have the characteristics that got you to this point. And just because you get to this point, you know, pioneers can't ever, ever settle down. They can't do it. It's not in them. They get nervous. They got to keep finding new territory they got to keep finding new things to do you see what i'm saying and you're like that too take your rest in the lord stand strong god's going to do something with you if i preach to you today and i've helped you you need something come on up here real quick if i minister to you today real quick come on come on what do you need from the lord be carrying that burden and it's just so heavy amen brother albert make sure you greet brother albert today he's a friend of ours he visited with us wednesday night and he came back today sister jean's with us again today greet our friends and guests anybody else come on come on you're a pioneer you're a pioneer this can be done this can happen Amen. Come on, Kevin, get up here. Get up here, Kevin. I'm gonna get him up here. All right, let's all gather around. Come on, as a family. You're not a settler anymore, you're a pioneer.